everyone and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Unbreakable You podcast. I am so happy to have you here again with me this week and if you're new here, welcome. We have a great episode today with one of my longtime friends, Claire Brady, who is so close to being an official MD. So excited for her. We have a great conversation about her journey through anorexia, overcoming that, and also overcoming amenorrhea, which I know is a topic that so many of you are really interested in learning more about, but also just hearing more about. I know so many of the women that listen to this show are going through their own journeys with amenorrhea, and it's always very inspiring, at least I think so, to listen to the stories of other women who have also traveled the same road that we are on and share their story of how they got through it and some of maybe the tips and tricks that they've accumulated along the way. So Claire does talk about her journey through anorexia as well as amenorrhea and how she recovered from both of those and just like her weight gain, her new healthy positive relationship with food and where she is at today. We talk about BMI and I wanted to kind of pick her brain about BMI from someone who just completed med school. And Claire does have a holistic, integrative approach. She just got matched to an integrative residency. So I'm super excited for her and just really excited for you guys to listen to our chat today. It's a great one. Claire and I know each other from way back in blogging days. Anyone remember when blogging was something that was actually something? I mean, I still blog, but the blogging days that I'm referring to are like back in 2010, 2011, 2012. That time frame when I was really into blogging, I remember I was in university at the time studying to be an RD. So I was going through the dietetics program and I would literally wake up every single morning and I would like my best friends were the bloggers, the blogs that I read. So they were the bloggers behind the blogs and they were my best friends. And I would literally wake up before class, way before, just to read everyone's daily blog posts. Like that was the time of the life when we blogged seven days a week. I was one of those bloggers, believe it or not. I'm sure a lot of you were not following me back then, but I believe that we still have some original followers. I know I get comments on Instagram from people letting me know that they've been following me for like the past nine years. So that means so much to me, but it's so crazy how times have changed from going blogging seven days a week about 
I don't even know what, just like my day. It was basically like an online journal in a sense. So it's just crazy how things have changed. But that is exactly how Claire and I first met. We were reading each other's blogs, but also we would go to these big blogging conferences. So I traveled to like Utah and um, Boston. I remember going to Boston. I think that's when Claire and I actually first met was in Boston at a blogging conference. So that's just wild how things have changed, but I'm super grateful to have kept in touch with her all of these years as our stories have definitely mimicked one another, and I'm just so happy that I have a lifelong friend out of that whole journey. So that's what we have in store for you today. But just another little update before we actually go into today's episode is I just want to remind everyone that the new moon is on Friday. So if you're like feeling all the feels right now, know that it's normal. Know that astrology is at play. All of those energies are really influencing our moods and emotions. So for me personally, I have been basically like flooded mentally with inspiration, ideas, creativity, and I'm so grateful for all of that. Like honestly, I love getting all the ideas like just send me all of the ideas give me all the inspiration so I'm definitely feeling that and just knowing what I do about um, this phase of the moon cycle but also the certain planets and other energies that are at play with this particular specific time of year right now with the moons and everything Um, it's really that time of feeling a lot of creation. So I'm soaking it all up. I'm really grateful for it. But I also need to create some space on my calendar and just get really clear on what I actually want to be focusing on. So that is what I'm doing this Friday on the new moon. One of my very best friends and I are sitting down and we both said we're going to create a list of things to talk about with each other. <laughs> kind of structured, I know that it kind of sounds weird, but I we just want to cover all the things that are on our minds and I'm really excited for that. So I've cleared my calendar on Friday, going to sit down with one of my best friends and we're just going to get clear on how we want to start off this new moon phase. So remember, with every new moon, it's a new cycle that we're entering. So if you feel like you need to start anew, take that energy from the new moon on Friday and really harness that in and embody it, apply it to your life. 
and really use that. I love working with the lunar cycles. It has really changed a lot for me. So that's just a tip for you this week. If you're feeling all the feels like me, there is a new moon on Friday. So work with it, girlfriend. All right. Now let's get to today's interview with Claire Brady. Hey, Claire. Welcome to the show. I am so excited to have you on today. It's been a while of me wanting you on the show, so this is super exciting. I'm so excited, too. I was always thinking that I would love to be on your show, so I'm excited we're finally doing it. Are you serious? I didn't know that. Of course. (laughs) Aw, well, I am so happy. I mean, you and I go way back. We're longtime blogging friends. So I would love for you to just introduce yourself to everyone who's listening today. Cool. Yeah. So um, my name is Claire Brady. I am um, from St. Louis and I am graduating medical school in about two months, less than two months. Um, And I'll be starting my family medicine residency at Northwestern um, in Chicago. And I guess the other relevant things are probably that I am a career changer. So I worked in marketing and design for a few years um, and also as like a part-time health coach before I decided to go back to medical school. Um, And then the other thing, obviously I have a blog and the thing that you and I have probably connected about too is like a history of eating disorder and regaining periods and things like that. So we share a lot of similar history and things that we've blogged about and shared about in the past. Yeah, there is so many things that like link us together. And I know um, our listeners today would really love to hear more about your story with your relationship with food and your body. I've loved following along that journey over the years and just seeing where you've come to today, almost an official doctor. So that's super, super exciting. And I know we'll talk about that as well, because you have navigated med school in a way of like wellness and really focusing on that integrative approach. So I would really love to talk about that as well. But if you wouldn't mind Going back to when your relationship with food wasn't healthy and sharing that story with us. Yeah. So um, my eating disorder started when I was about 17. I really don't have any like younger than that history of issues with food. Like no, I don't have any family things or mom things or anything like that. When I was younger, everything was very sort of normal. Um, But I have always what I realized after when I was older and dealing with my eating disorder, been a very like anxious type A person. I just didn't really know what anxiety was at the time. (laughs) Um, So I think that played a big role in developing anorexia. It was sort of a a control issue for me. Things were sort of out of control with relationships. And so food became something I could control. Um, So yeah, the, the anorexia was sort of at the end of high school and a little bit into college. Um, and then there was a, a few little relapse periods here and there, but I, I ended up recovering from my severest form of anorexia during um, like my sophomore year of college. And that obviously was wonderful because the severe portion is like really, really scary and dangerous. Um, 
for your health. But after that, there were many years after that, that I was just learning to regain a normal relationship with food and exercise and sort of accept my body size. Cause I went through some phases where I was, didn't have any hunger signals and I was eating probably way too much for me and gained to a size that was probably a little heavier than is healthy for me. And then also got back to a little bit of more of like an obsessive orthorexic phase um, where I wasn't getting my period. And so I, it was probably about like seven ish years ago that I sort of gave it all up and was like, whatever it takes, I'm eating everything. I'm eating anything, whatever size I need to be just totally uh, sort of surrendered to that and followed and, and sort of became intuitive eating, intuitive exercise. And it's been amazing ever since. <laughs> Incredible. So I think it would be really interesting to hear more about that journey of becoming this intuitive eater like you are today. But before we get into that, what was kind of like that turning point for you? Because it had been like seven years, you said, of being like recovered from the deepest parts of your eating disorder. But I think so many of us are or can be caught in that in-between stage where it's like we're not struggling with maybe anorexia anymore, but we still have like these weird tendencies with food. I know there's a lot of women that I work with that are in the same boat and could probably really relate to that story. Yeah, absolutely. So um, that's exactly what it was. I thought that because I had a normal BMI, I was fine. Um, and, and normal, I say in quotations, because there's so many issues with BMI anyway, but also just the range of BMI is, is, you know, what, 18 to around 25 for what's considered normal. But I had no clue that, like, I didn't have any concept that that could not be normal for me. Um, and so I was at like the lowest healthy BMI. And I was like, look, I'm fine, even though I was still super rigid and obsessive about eating super clean and super healthy. And I was still exercising so much and obsessive about like burning calories and counting calories. Um, and I think unfortunately, like that gets normalized in our culture today. And so people thought that I was like this ideal to live up to. Like I would get praised. You're so thin. You exercise so much. You turn down treats, like all these things that are like so idealized in our society that were like not at all healthy for me um, at the time. And I think the worst part is that it was really um, isolating. Like I would skip meals out with friends or like I wouldn't go out at night because I wanted to exercise the first thing in the morning. And so the part that I think was the most damaging to me was the way that it just like affected my relationships and like a lot of the fun things that should have been going on in my early 20s that weren't. Um, and I even went to doctors, so I wasn't getting my period. Um, I had been on birth control for a while, and I went off birth control and realized I wasn't getting my period. And after about six months, I went to an OBGYN who literally just told me I was fine. She was like, your BMI is fine. Your level of exercise seems good. You're eating, because I was eating. Um, and she was like, you eat really healthy, so there's no problem. And she was like, if you want to go back on birth control to get your period, you can. And I was like, oh, my goodness. Like, I cannot believe that someone just told me that not getting my period was fine. Right. Um, and I have had so many discussions about other physicians about this, and it's based on data and all this long-term stuff. But anyway, i that's part of what got me interested in really personalized holistic integrative medicine was being like, if you had taken the time to really think about me individually as a person and my history, you would recognize that that wasn't fine for me. So anyway, I kind of took matters into my own hands after that. And I was in this phase of like total 
chaos where I had started to binge on food because, and I didn't know why, like I thought I now had binge eating disorder, which I, I didn't. It was just, I wasn't getting enough food and my body was reacting and coping. I was so confused because I was getting like GI distress. And so at the time I was like, do I need to eat paleo now? Because I, my stomach's upset. And like, I was going back and forth between what I should do. And I was so confused and like, so miserable and desperate that I just got to the point where I was so willing to do anything to like stop binging, to get my period back, to just stop living in that state of like internal chaos and confusion. Um, so I, at the time I was doing my post back to go back to med school um, at the University of Virginia. Um, and another huge motivating factor was that I knew that I couldn't survive med school and I couldn't be like the best doctor in this really tough profession if I was still struggling so much with my own health and my own mental health. So it was actually um, a very controversial website <laughs> that led me down um, the path to realizing that I probably just still had a little bit more anorexia recovery to work on. And it was the um, Your Etopia. Do you remember that website? I do. Yes. I don't even know if it's still up, but it was super controversial because the woman that run, ran it, like, I don't think she had any, like, health certifications. Or right. Anything. Yeah. She no. doesn't share her titles or anything like yeah, that, if she that. does have any. Right. And so I was, like, super cautious to even, like, tell anyone that I was looking at that website. But everything that she wrote made so much sense to exactly what I was going through. And she talked a lot about needing to gain more weight that like, you know, in anorexia recovery that, and especially with the binging, sort of the reactive binging when you're eating too little and things like that, I was like, oh my gosh, this is exactly what I'm going through. Um, and so she advocates for eating like a crazy high amount of calories till you get your period back until you recover. Um, and then I also worked with my friend that was in Charlottesville at the time, um, Robin Cole, she's now Robin Noling, who runs um, Real Life Women's Health. And she's a new, she's a registered dietitian and now she's a nurse practitioner. And she helped me sort of create an eating plan to start eating more. Um, and I just got to the point where I was just like, I don't care what I weigh ever again. I don't care what I look like. I don't care what society tells me. Like I am going to finally get healthy and I'm finally going to eat normally and not deal with this stress. And I just, I quit exercising. I ate a ton of food. I ate stuff that I was like scared of eating. And I got my period back within like a month, (laughs) literally like a month. Yeah. And so, and ever since it's been just like figuring out and reestablishing that sort of normal, intuitive, you know, gentle nutrition, gentle exercise approach to like being healthy without being obsessive. Right. And I do feel like it's kind of a dance with those two things. Right. And I, I was recently having a conversation about this with one of my closest friends because her and I have also both struggled with an eating disorder in the past, but it's like, you know, you feel best when you eat certain foods, Um, but it's not about having that like black or white mentality around it. It's kind of like we need to find this area of gray essentially. And it sounds like you're doing a really good job navigating that. I feel like I do. I, I sometimes think I could eat 
a bit more nutritiously um, to feel a little bit better. But I think I like instinctively, my body like rejects that because it doesn't want to go back to any sort of obsessive state. So I eat like all kinds of things and sweets and stuff, which is totally, it's, it's good for me. Um, I think a lot about this topic because I'm so interested in integrative medicine and the power of nutrition in obviously health. Like it's the number one thing you can do to prevent chronic disease. And it, that's so important in what we need in this country, but balancing my passion and belief in the power of good, healthy nutrition with my history of an eating disorder is really, really interesting. And it's a really hard thing to share on the internet because so much of how you balance your nutrition and your health is personal and it's internal. And so you can, only you can know how you feel when you're eating and how you feel about your relationship with food. And so you could be eating very, very healthy, but be at a really good place with it. Mm-hmm. And that's awesome. But you could also be really eating, eating really, really healthy and be like obsessive in a, a, a negative place with it. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I struggle with talking about that and saying like, look at how important it is to eat this, like eat this nutritiously when some people would say, oh, that's too obsessive or, oh, that's this. And it's like, oh, this is such a personal topic. And so that, yeah, that is actually one of my current battles is like, I want to share, but I also know the importance of doing something one-on-one because it's such like an individual process. Yes, I'm honestly getting so fired up about this topic because I feel you so deeply on this. It's really, really hard to share because we're all so different. Like what's going to make me feel mentally free and at ease is going to be different for someone else. And it's really so important that we're not looking at other people and judging them but also judging ourselves too right we we talk so much about like comparing ourselves to other people and judging ourselves but i think there's also a lot of judgment of others going around as well oh, so much if you actually listen to your like internal chatter as you scroll instagram like it's probably absurd and i do it too and there's there's so much personal responsibility and recognizing what is good and healthy for you to see what, how things are affecting you, why they're affecting you. So like, I know there's so many people that share their individual approach to nutrition and exercise. And sometimes those are, I mean, I I say restrictive, but sometimes those are cutting out food groups and that's what's made them thrive. And that's incredible. And they want to share it. And I get why they want to share it because it's like changed their life but that doesn't mean it's going to be right for you. And I also like, I feel like we just all need to be able to take that in and see it for what it is and be able to know when something is right for us, because then you just see so many people attacking other women too. Like, how could you possibly share that? That's so restrictive. And it's like, Oh goodness, people, can't we just recognize that? Like, it's all so individual. Mm-hmm. And nobody is trying to be malicious. No, no. Like, trying to create that's well, not, not true. I should say nobody's trying to create eating disorders. There are some websites and some people that are very pro eating disorder, but I think in general, nobody would ever want somebody to be in that place. It's really coming from like a positive place, wanting to help people. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, everybody goes about it so differently. 
Yeah, absolutely. So before we move on and talk (laughs) more about like actually getting your period back, because I would love for you to elaborate on that. I would like to hear more about um, your opinion as a soon to be doctor about BMI, because I don't really think we've talked about that on the show yet. And I receive a lot of DMs on Instagram, a lot of emails about having a quote unquote normal BI, but still not getting your period back or still struggling like with hormones, your health, things like that post eating disorder. So I would love for you to shed some light on this for us. So I think we just have to recognize, and especially in medicine, look at BMI for what it is. It is like one data point. Um, And it is the currently the best method that we have in medicine to sort of put people on a scale, like a range of where they are weight-wise and how that weight can correlate to different health concerns. Um, We know that People with higher BMIs have a higher tendency to have things like diabetes or heart disease because of the behaviors that often go along with achieving a higher BMI. But it is totally imperfect. And everybody has a different weight that is healthy for them. And muscle mass can contribute to a higher BMI. And like some people, like it's, you just have to recognize that it's imperfect. And so I don't dig it. Like I don't love it um, because I would never like you would never want to go to somebody whose BMI was 26, which technically is higher than quote healthy, puts them overweight. And you look at them and they're like, I eat generally really well. I exercise all the time. My blood pressure is fine. Like all of these parameters of my health are normal. I would never be like, you're overweight. Something needs to change, right? Like you have to take it in context. And again, it's like integrative, holistic, individualized healthcare. Um, In the same way, there's some people who are naturally very, very thin and they get their periods and they eat well and they eat enough and like everything's fine. And so to be like your BMI 17.8, it's below 18, you're underweight, you're unhealthy, like that you can't do it. So it's a data point. It helps when you're looking at huge, huge, huge populations and trying to gauge trends. It's really helpful. Mm -hmm. Um, But I don't think you can take it as like perfect or as right so it's a great data point but obviously not something to just like base everything off of right we need to look at all of the other things and the fact that like that normal range isn't the only range that determines if you're healthy or not there's you know like it's not like a health It was based on tons and tons of data over tons and tons of people. And they decided that that was a general range that fit the best when looking at very large population sizes. It's not individual. Right. So let's dive into your individual approach. I know you brought up um, some digestive issues. Was that when you started eating more or what point of your life was that? I'm trying to remember because this is now like eight to nine years ago. A long time ago. Yeah. Um, so I, I know that at the time that I was like sort of underweight, not getting my period, having all the binging issues, mm-hmm. like 
feel good at all. You know, like if you're going from not eating much to eating a ton and binging, like your stomach, you feel, you get bloating, you don't feel good. You're, you know, like, but that wasn't anything super severe. My, I was diagnosed with SIBO after I got my period back. So like about a year later, after I'd been eating like larger, healthier amounts, um, which is a story in of, of itself, because again, the doctor told me that everything was fine and it was IBS and I like forced him to test me and then it was positive. Right. Um, so again, advocating for yourself, but um, there is a, and I don't want to say anything too broad because I don't have the exact studies, but there is definitely a correlation between eating disorders and disordered eating and gastrointestinal issues, obviously, because you're just changing drastically the amount of food you're putting in your body and the stressors. And, um, and so I, I do think that the SIBO that I got was probably in some way related to my like drastic changes in eating habits. Um, so yeah, yeah. that makes (laughs) sense. And when we start eating more, as you mentioned, we do feel full and maybe bloated. So how did you move through those new feelings? Because you spent many years of your life, undernourishing your body. And I know many of the women listening to this show today get very, very uncomfortable with that full feeling. And I personally have talked about this in previous episodes, but it would be great for you to share your insight on this. Yeah. So that period of time, um, when I was stopped exercising, started eating a lot more, sort of gave it all up and decided, you know, I I gained I don't know. I, I don't like talking numbers, but I gained like a significant amount of weight um, and like had to get all new clothes and everything like that. That is, that is, was like the hardest mental time that I've ever gone through because you are basically doing the opposite of what society deems. Okay. And you know, we know when you see someone gaining weight, your like immediate reaction is like, Oh no, that's so sad. Like how bad which is like, obviously wasn't true for me at all. It was like a wonderful thing that I was doing it, but I had to do so much internal mental work with being okay with what my body looked like, being okay with gaining the weight, being okay with other people making judgments about me without knowing the truth and being like, I don't care. Like I am so dedicated to my own health and my own story that what those people think and what my body looks like and what people are saying about my body doesn't matter. So the things I did, I, um, I went through a very religious phase. (laughs) I am Catholic and Christian, but at the time I was just getting really, I was like much more involved with the church because I found that that helped me a lot. Um, there were certain songs that I loved listening to that like calmed me down. Um, I was doing really, really gentle yoga stretches that just sort of helped make my body feel better. Um, since I wasn't exercising, Um, I was doing meditations. I was journaling. I had some friends that I could like just a few friends that knew what was going on that I could like complain to and like lament to when things were hard. Um, But it is, it is so much internal mental work with realizing that you have to do what's best for you and literally screw society and what anyone And that is. It is super hard, but like you said, it is basically just like screwing everything that we've been conditioned to believe about our bodies and food. But it probably felt really good eating a lot of food. 
oh, I mean, I had so much fun. Right. After... All of a sudden I was like, I'm going to go get pizza and ice cream and this and all these things that I had told myself I like couldn't eat for so long. Mm-hmm. Um, that was really fun. But I did feel like I wanted to walk around with like a big sign on me that said like, I know I'm gaining weight and it's fine. Like, oh. I, and, and the thing is, I bet people weren't even noticing. Right. Okay. Like this yeah. was all in my head. I that see. people were like, oh, I bet they're looking at me. I bet they're doing this, you know? And like, I don't know that, I don't know, maybe some people notice, some people are probably, they don't care. People don't care that much about you. No. So <laughs> you didn't really receive many comments about yourself then? No. Um, no. I mean, I think the people closest to me knew that I was doing it intentionally. So they would obviously never make like a negative comment and nobody else made any comments. I think it did help that I was in a brand new city. Okay. So I yeah. wasn't surrounded by people that had like known me for a long time and known me at a much smaller size for a long time for them to be like, oh my gosh, what's this change? Like I had only lived there for a couple of months. So it wasn't like people knew that different. Yeah. No one, they're not comparing you to anything, right? They're seeing you exactly how you are. And I think that's like a really big challenge for ourselves is because we're constantly comparing ourselves to what we were like a few months ago, a few years ago, but the other people around us, they're not comparing necessarily. Like it's only a very small percentage of people that are comparing if they even are. Yeah. And like people's bodies change over their life and that's okay. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So when you were eating more food, obviously your relationship with food started to improve as well, right? Something that I cannot help but think is this is like the tricky thing with eating disorders. It's like the people that struggle with eating disorders are fearful of the very thing that is actually going to help them recover, right? And it's not, I'm not talking about like weight recovery. It's literally like recovering your mind from a disease. It needs to be nourished. And when people are at the depth of their eating disorder, they're so fearful of the very thing that is going to nourish their bodies and their minds to recover. I mean, when you're, yes, when you're like in a very, very ill in an eating disorder, um, like to the point where you need like hospitalization, you have to just force feed people because your brain doesn't work when it's not fed. And there's no possible way you could begin to do the mental recovery that you need to do when your brain isn't functioning. So you have to just like force feed people enough to that their brain is like working again, um, at least a little bit um, before you can try to like reason (laughs) with it at all. Um, Yeah. So, I mean, I did, there are very uncomfortable phases with eating disorders and like I get so many questions all the time with like, when you started eating more, did you gain too much weight? Did it, did you gain weight around your belly? Like all of these things. And it was like, yeah, I did. Like I got to a phase when I was gaining weight where I was heavier than I am now. And I accepted that. Like that was part of the process. That was what I had to go through. And eventually, you know, at the time when you start eating more, your body is, you get so hungry for it. Like, I think you look at the amount of food you'd have to eat 
And you're like, oh my God, how could I possibly do that? I have to have a big snack, like an hour and a half after I ate this massive breakfast. Like I'm never going to be hungry. And the first day it feels weird. And then a few days in and you're like, oh my God, why am I so starving for all of this food? And your body is like, oh my God, I can eat. And it's like so excited and taking in everything it could possibly get. Um, And yeah, you do gain weight like pretty quickly and it's different and it feels weird. And you might like quote, overshoot your normal a little bit. And I think I did. But then as you start to just trust and accept and let eat what your body wants to eat, like you start to normalize. You're not, your body's not going to ask you once it starts to trust that it's going to get fed. It's not going to ask for a ridiculously high amount of food forever, as long as you listen and trust it. And so you know, over the next couple of years when I just continued listening to my body and eating everything and sort of exercising in a healthy way um, and not exercising to burn calories and all this stuff, I lost a little bit of weight as well. And I, I wasn't weighing myself. I don't weigh myself, but I got back down to a size that is probably the only thing I've looked at is my pediatric growth chart, mm. which sort of shows your natural trend, like up until I got my eating disorder. And it shows where your body sort of probably naturally is on the chart. And I'm always like just above 50th percentile. And I'm pretty sure that's like sort of exactly where I am right now. And I don't put any effort into it. I mean, aside from like a very basic, like I like to move my body somewhat regularly and I like to try to eat vegetables (laughs) when I can, but like there's plenty of days that that doesn't happen. Like it doesn't take effort to be at the size I'm at right now. And I don't weigh myself. And except for once a year when I go to the doctor and for a while, I didn't know that weight. I asked not to see it, but I'm at a point now where I don't care. And my weight is always within like two pounds and I don't. And that's completely effortless. Yeah. Yeah. And so getting to this point is what's so amazing is to realize like I eat probably like over double the amount of food that I used to eat. I eat anything. I eat everything. I don't plan my food. Like, and my body just stays where it is. Cause this is where it's happy. Like your body wants to be at a healthy, happy set point and it will go through homeostasis to keep it there. If you don't mess with it <laughs> too much. Right. And so like, am I a size zero? No. Do I have parts of my body that are not like the societal ideal? Yeah. But like, is it worth it to be in total mental turmoil to fight my natural body size? No. Yeah. That's awesome. I'm so happy for you for like working through everything that you did and getting to where you are today. And one other thing that I thought we could elaborate a little bit more on was like that reactive binging. That's another thing that I get a lot of women reaching out to me about is binging when it's not really binging. It's not binging at all. It is a binge, but it's not binge eating disorder. Right. Exactly. And, but, and also it shouldn't be looked at as like a negative, something's wrong with me type of thing. It's your body's way of reacting to the restriction that you are placing on it. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, and so I think that's another thing where if you had just gone to a doctor or a psychiatrist and the only thing you told them was like, I have these periods where I feel out of control and I eat way, way more food than is like normal to eat at one period of time, they'd probably be like, oh, that sounds like binge eating disorder. But if you 
gave them more information, if they asked you for more information and realized that you had this long history of restricting, they'd realize that like, okay, this is actually probably just a symptom of your anorexia or of your restrictive eating. Um, and that took me a little bit of time to realize too, that like, I didn't have binge eating disorder, (laughs) that my body was just being like reacting to being underfed. Right. So when you started to commit to actually nourishing your body properly, those binge episodes stopped completely. Oh my gosh. They stopped. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's not like one day you're perfect and the next day you aren't, but like it's, I started eating so much regularly and intentionally that there wasn't like room for a binge. <laughs> like exactly. eat it because I was already feeding it what it needed and probably more than it needed during recovery. And like, I don't, sometimes I think about it now, like, cause I would feel so out of control about like quote fear foods or like sweets or pizza where like, you know, you're, it's, you're in that phase where your body thinks it's never going to get it again. Your brain has told you that it's like an off limits food. So if you decide to eat like a little bit, you feel like you can't stop and you eat a ton. And I'm like, I mean, yeah, I, I overeat sometimes now. Like, that's fine. Like I I'll get to points where I'm like, man, I ate too much or something. Like I, I don't feel good, but like I can be around cookies and food and all of these things that used to be scary to me and like not binge like it's like amazing yeah and you can still eat one and also not like beat yourself over it mentally right absolutely because I know I'm probably gonna eat another one tomorrow yeah like (laughs) yeah exactly so you mentioned that you did work with a dietitian throughout this process and that was kind of when you decided, okay, I want to start eating more to get my period back. So did that dietitian help you a lot just to kind of like get started? Because I feel like after a long period of just not eating enough as we should, whether that's intentionally or unintentionally, it's really helpful to have another set of eyes kind of like watching overseeing you and helping you navigate this journey yes yes and that's what I wanted I mean I was like a poor postdoc student at the time and so I went to Robin and I think I said like can I just set up like one or two sessions with you where we create a plan because I was I needed to like over double the amount of food that I was taking in and I was like I don't even know what that looks like like how do I possibly fit that in how do I do it in a way that maintains some semblance of like normalcy and like eating habits and stuff? Um, and Robin is incredible. And I recommend her to a lot of people that are struggling and need like nutrition. I don't know. I recommend a lot of people, but she she's made a career out of that as well. Um, she helped me say like, okay, if this is the amount of calories, like minimum we think we need to eat, this is how it would make sense to split it up. And so if we're trying to have like a, I don't like numbers again, but if we're trying to have like a 700 or 800 calorie breakfast, what are some options you could do for that? And like, it would take making a smoothie with this in it and eating eggs with this. And then two hours later, you're going to have to have a snack. So what do you like for a snack? But she worked within foods that I liked and gave me options. It just helped to really lay it out and be like, what does this even look like? Yeah. Yeah to have someone else that's a professional in nutrition like okay it as weird as that sounds yeah because 
it seemed so different and so drastic and to have someone else be like, nope, this is the plan. This makes sense. Like that really, really helped. Yeah, no, I can completely relate. I mean, going from a place where I was eating and then adding on like an extra thousand calories and you already being at a place where you're like, well, I'm eating like three solid meals a day already. I'm just having a hard time even comprehending like what more can I add because these three solid meals is kind of like feeling good to me, but I know I need to eat more. So I do think it is super beneficial to add someone else in there to help you. Permission a little bit. Yeah. It is hard to give ourselves permission sometimes, right? Well, and I like didn't even, the hard part is like, I didn't even know because my doctor had told me I was fine. Like I was choosing to do this on my own and I didn't even know if it was going to work. Like I was doing this based on like what I thought was right and opinion. And like, that's really important, but I didn't fully trust myself or like trust the process. And so to have another professional, like, okay it and say like, no, this makes sense was like super helpful. Mm -hmm. So you basically started working with her and kind of like followed that like guidance from her. And then a month later, you got your period back. It was kind of wild how fast it happened. Yeah. And I think part of it is probably because, like I said, I was already like at a quote normal BMI. So I wasn't super underweight to begin with. My body just needed to get like a little bit farther. Mm -hmm. Um, And I mean, I did gain weight in that month. (laughs) Like I did put on the weight, but I guess, and people ask me all the time too, how long is this going to take? And I'm like, I can't tell you the answer to that. Like it depends on so many personal things. Like I got a little bit lucky in that it like came back really quickly for me, but that's just because of where I was and my, my specific history. And for you, it might take six months. It might take a year. It might take like, who knows? And that's part of the mental process is saying I'm okay with doing this for as long as it takes. Um, I did continue after I got like that first period, I continued eating the exact same amount or like that higher amount. I continued not exercising. Um, I think until I'd had at least like two or three regular cycles to be like, okay, (laughs) I try to know like this is a regular thing. Now, now I can just sort of be a little bit more intuitive. And so it's sort of like, and my body was already used to eating that high amount. So I wasn't going to like restrict or anything again, but it gave me the permission to say like one, okay, if I want to go to the gym, I can go to the gym. And two, if I'm really not hungry for that fourth snack, I can skip that fourth snack. And so it just felt like I can get back to more intuition and and normalcy instead of like um, a little bit more of like a forced plan to get there. I love that. And it seemed like kind of like a gradual approach from going from like that healthy meal plan type setup to this intuitive place where you are right now, which is awesome. Like it doesn't have to be like, okay, done with that. Now I'm all alone again, trying to like navigate this new phase of my life. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it's, it's such a process and it's such like a personal I don't know. It's, it's, it was hard. It was really, really hard and in many ways complicated, but in many ways not, because once you allow your body to just tell you what it wants, it takes out so much of the like fear and obsession and like overthinking everything. Mm -hmm. And look at you, you got yourself to a healthy place and you were able to rock your way throughout 
med school. So we God, are. Your sounds so funny. It's like med school is not easy. <laughs> like there's been well, lots of up and down. You did but amazing. That's what it looks like it from the <laughs> It definitely did. And I've just like absolutely loved watching your journey. I know you and I have kept in touch throughout your time in med school and you just got matched, which was amazing. So if we can finish off this episode by talking about like your visions for yourself and how you see yourself as a doctor and taking more of an integrative approach. Yeah, so um, I very intentionally chose family medicine and a family medicine program that has an integrative medicine curriculum. Um, I considered psychiatry, I considered pediatrics, a lot of things, but um, I decided to go with sort of whole person (laughs) care. And so the integrative medicine curriculum that I'll get to do during my family medicine residency is from the University of Arizona, the Andrew Weil Center for Integrative Medicine. He's sort of created the field. Um, and it just, it's, it's evidence-based approaches that are not just pharmaceutical. Um, and it really puts the patient at the center, making sure that they understand what's going on, that, that what they want and what they believe is going to work is what's being, what's happening because it's so dependent on cultures and different things. Like certain cultures don't use medicines the way Western cultures do. And we also know that your mindset has so much to do with your health and your recovery. Um, And so I I just think it's really needed. It takes all evidence-based approaches. So it doesn't say Western medicine is wrong. It doesn't say pharmaceuticals are wrong. It just says they're not the only way, they're one way. And so let's also look at nutrition and lifestyle and things like acupuncture. um, And what is the evidence behind how those can also help with all of these different medical conditions and disease states? Um, and how can we partner with our patients to figure out like the best plan for them. So I'm really excited to be able to learn. It was important to me to be able to learn that approach to medicine from the beginning of my residency. Um, a lot of Western medicine doesn't do that at all and is just basically like pharmaceuticals are best aside from being like, Hey, you should eat healthy, right? (laughs) Like that's what they say, like eat healthy and exercise and here's some medicine. Um, and so I knew that would really, really frustrate me to not be at a place that also believed in um, a more integrative approach to care. So I'm really excited to be able to do that curriculum while I'm training in family medicine and uh, what it, what my career looks like. Um, there's so many options out of family medicine and so many things I like. Um, at this point, I think I would love to do an integrative medicine fellowship, which would allow me to get board certified um, in integrative medicine. I don't know, like I could see myself wanting to work with eating disorders, which um, like the medical side of eating disorders, I don't know if that's at a center or on my own practice. Um, I really, really like mental health. And I I decided to tackle mental health from a primary care perspective as opposed to psychiatric perspective. I think they're both really necessary, but oftentimes primary care is the gateway to the psychiatrist. And if you aren't screening and if you aren't asking the right questions, um, and looking out for those things, a lot of those patients can get missed. Um, And I know that for me, especially given that I've had an eating disorder and an anxiety diagnosis and all these things, like I only saw a psychiatrist once. (laughs) Um, A lot of like the vast majority of of depression and anxiety medicines are being prescribed by primary care doctors. 
these days because people just don't have access to or can't get to or won't go to that. And so I, I love psychiatry. I think I would love being a psychiatrist, but I'm just deciding to tackle it from, from that approach. So I don't know what my career is going to look like, which sometimes brings me a lot of stress and anxiety, but um, I think that this path that I'm on is going to give me a lot of good options to, to help with the population that I really care about. For sure it will. You are going to do amazing things, sweetheart. And we'll thank you. Together. Pardon? Can we just work together? Yes. Um, I am so excited to continue watching you. It's just been so exciting seeing you move through med school and now where you are right now. And your grad is coming up. So that's super exciting. I have one more question for you before you go. And that is, what does it mean to you to be unbreakable? Ooh. Um, oh, because that's the name of your podcast, isn't it? <laughs> um, I think to me, it just means that I can go through all of these hard things. Like I can recover from an eating disorder. I can live with an anxiety disorder and I can still achieve big things in my life. Like I can still go to med school. I can still become a doctor, even though tons of people want to tell you you can't. And even though unfortunately, tons of people don't recover from from things like what you and I have gone through. And so to me, it's just like, yes, I can deal with these hard things, but I can still achieve big things too. Yes. Oh my gosh, that gave me shivers. And I think it's going to speak to so many people listening. So where can people find you? I know they're going to want to follow you on social media and keep in touch with you as well. Well, this is a fun question because I don't know when this is going to go live because I'm changing. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, so right now and for the past like nine years, I've been um, at Fitting It All In and the website is fittingitallin.com with hyphen. So fitting-it-all.in.com. But I am rebranding with Ooh. the help of Patty. Um, and so I think as of like May, <laughs> sometime in May when I graduate, I'll be um, Claire MD. That so, is incredible. ClaireMD.com was available. I know. How was that possibly available? <laughs> and what's so funny is that literally a month ago, I got an email telling me that fittingitallin.com was finally available, like without the dashes. Oh, wow. You want to buy it. And so I'm like, oh, shoot, that was like what I wanted for so long. And I had to do these stupid dashes. But I think I got to go with the ClaireMD. Oh, Too many you have to. Too many people think that fitting it all in is fit Italian. Really? <laughs> oh my God. That's all the time. <laughs> yes, I was like, okay, why don't we just go with something a little simpler? Well, Claire MD is going to be amazing. So I'm very excited for that launch. Thanks for coming on the show, Claire. It's been awesome having you. Thank you, Meg. Bye.